Okay, Dominic, thanks for coming on the podcast. Appreciate your time. Why don't you let the listeners know who you are and uh, what's your business and um, kind of what, what do you do? Absolutely. My name is Dominic Nelson, founder and CEO of Clevtech. Uh, we're out in Houston, Texas, and we're reimagining order pickup. And at the moment, our, our time and energy has been placed extremely on restaurants to help them automate the takeout process. And it's been something that we've been focusing on like the last year when we went live in April. And throughout the last, I would say, six or seven months, we've seen an increase decline in just dining in overall. And people want to get in and out of a restaurant as quickly as possible, as frictionless as possible. And we wanted to be the go-to choice for that. So the cool and novel thing that we're doing is we believe retrofitting is the new wave of innovation. So we're taking ordinary lockers, imagine lockers that you would find in like schools. And we've partnered with a business that makes brand new lockers. And instead of them just using it for schools or um, locker rooms, we said, hey, we like what you're doing, but we wanna use it in a restaurant space. So we took these ordinary lockers and built this incredible technology that we're calling the Yummy Box on top of it. And the whole goal is to get people in and out of a restaurant in 45 seconds or less. So uh, the novel part about it for our everyday customer is instead of walking into a restaurant and saying, hey, I'm here to pick up my order, you'll be able to get a text precisely when your order is ready for pickup and arrive into the restaurant, into your verification code. It tells you, tells you what box it's in, what pin it is, grab it and go. Similar to the Amazon lockers, but instead of building something from scratch, we wanted to take technology that's very robust, very powerful, and lay it, layer it on top of something that already exists. Love that. And how's the pricing model for the restaurants or the end users? Is this something that I pay as a restaurant to have this in my restaurant and basically allow me to continue business operations during COVID? Or is this something that I pay a premium as a consumer because I want to be able to safely pick up my favorite meal? How does the pricing work? Yeah, we spent a lot of time with doing the pricing model. Uh, more so than anything, our first ben benchmarking started with looking at services like Uber Eats, DoorDash, and Grubhub. And diving into the numbers, uh, restaurants have enjoyed for a great deal of time the benefit of being able to reach uh, a larger audience or a larger customer base outside of their four walls. And that's what food delivery services have provided. But it's truly not sustainable mathematically unless you can continuously get people to order. And you're pretty much trying to make up a lot of your, your profits through uh, excessive ordering. And what we wanna do instead is, instead of charging a percentage per order, on average it's 30% that they're charging, uh, we're charging a flat fee of $1 per order that's processed. And the restaurant is the one that's paying for that. The customer, the benefit of them is, for them is just being able to get in and out and our goal is to have restaurants use the Yummy Box as a differentiator, right? Like, yes, food is great in the world that we live in. Uh, many restaurants have, you know, great food. But more so than anything, we notice that convenience is just as important, right? For the everyday customer, they, they want to get in and out as quick as possible. But they also want great food. And they don't want to always have to pay delivery fees, service fees, <laughs> or any other fee that's being piled on top of their uh, $10 to $15 order that's being delivered. So we allow them to get the same level of convenience in terms of getting in and out of a place with the Yummy Box. That's awesome. So what's the kind of, um, I guess the COVID reaction is more people are ordering pickup 
less people are dining in. I mean, no one should be dining in. Um, right. How's that kind of affected you guys from a business standpoint? Are, are you seeing an uptick because of that? And you're, you're getting kind of more restaurants that are saying, hey, I want to try this thing because, you know, I want to keep my door, you know, open to, you know, I want to be competitive with DoorDash, Uber Eats, Postmates, what have you. Um, right. How, how is the, how's that side of it work? It, it, so, what's that look like? Internally, what we always do is, is take our hats off and start looking at the world from an everyday customer standpoint. I think oftentimes founders, CEOs, they have great ideas and they want to, you know, make a, a relatively huge impact as fast as possible. But sometimes they forget that whatever you're building, it has to work for everyone as great as possible. So we just started looking at the world from an everyday customer. What does it look like if we ordered food? How does that process work? What is the cost, the contactless pickup? I mean, uh, drop off, what does that look like or delivery? And then from there, we started looking at the numbers. Does it make sense for people to be able to do this on a daily basis, right? Because COVID-19, if I remember correctly, uh, a lot of people got the word to stay at home around March the 18th. So from Mar March the 18th up until now, is it sustainable for everybody to have to pay delivery fees on top of you know the cost of takeout? And we looked at it mathematically, some can afford it, some can't. But the happy median is being able to get what you want when you want without having to pay all these additional fees. So when we partnered with restaurants, now we enacted a 45-day uh, no-charge pilot program. And with this pilot program, essentially, it allows them to test everything, see if they like it just in general, see if their customers buy into it, and uh, see if it creates all of the value that we said. And nine times out of ten, it does. And even in the process, they realized that they could have been more efficient in just their overall operation, right? Because the Yummy Box is very cool. Like, it allows people to get in and out. But more so than anything, we realize we cannot make a, a slow process fast. We can only make a fast process faster, right? Because efficiency is, is essential to a restaurant, just getting the food to a table, getting the food to a person. But with the Yummy Box, they're able to do that and still be able to cater to the modern uh, modern day conveniences that we all love, even in this climate. Yep. And you were in the Houston area, if I recall. Um, what what regions are you kind of servicing and kind of what where can where can you kind of take this, um, I guess, geographically? Yeah, uh, so the thought process behind that, I'll tell you this really quick story. So for me, um, I've been on this journey since 2014. It's, it's been phenomenal in many different ways. It didn't start off as the yummy box. It didn't start off with, uh, you know, trying to reimagine order pickup. It literally started because my lunch was being stolen at work and at school, right? So I, I attended Texas Southern University uh, and I had to work full time in order to be able to sustain my life at that point. So I was working at Walmart Distribution Center, right? So I was a frugal student. I was a frugal, you know, everyday employee. So I brought my food to work every single day and I brought my food to uh, school every single day and we stored it in these community refrigerators, right? I'm sure you probably know what I'm talking about. Like these massive refrigerators that everybody just stored everything in. And uh, at work, we had like four or five different work uh, lunch periods and we had about 75 to 80 people working that given day. So about time, it was time for me to eat lunch, either two things happened. My food was at the bottom upside down leaking because somebody moved it around or it was just missing completely and then at school 
college students being college students, either it was a prank with my food, somebody did something that they wouldn't, uh, sh shouldn't do, or it was just missing completely. So uh, I remember vividly, I was three months from graduation. Uh, I was the first African-American intern for the United States Coast Guard. So I had an opportunity to become an officer in the Coast Guard or work at like the Port of Houston with my degree in maritime transportation. And uh, I remember <laughs> standing in the shower because I couldn't sleep that night and it was like, like two in the morning and I'm just standing there trying to figure out what am I going to do next, right? What, is, what does life look like after college? And uh, I started thinking about the, all of the times my lunch was being stolen. And I was like, man, it would be cool if I can create a community refrigerator that had lockable compartments and somehow, some way, we infuse technology into it to send people reminders that, hey, you forgot your lunch, or on Friday, we're cleaning out the fridge. So I hopped out of the shower immediately, and I uh, barged into my grandfather's room. I was living with him at the time, and I, I screamed at him. I was like, hey, Papa, I got this idea, right? And I uh, scared the heck out of him. <laughs> he hops up. He's panicky. Uh, I'm like, hey, Papa, not this, I didn't mean to scare you, but I got this idea, and we got to talk about it right now. We can't wait until uh, like eight or nine in the morning. So he gets up and we just have this two hour discussion on what technology is, how to build it, and how to possibly get you know my first set of customers. And uh, I didn't have an idea on how to build what I have built now. Uh, I just decided to go on a journey. So the first thing that I did was go over to the engineering uh, School of Engineering at TSU and just tell people, hey, I have this idea. What does it take to build something like this? And then slowly but surely, I started connecting the dots. And uh, one night, I was watching um, Make Me a Millionaire Inventor. It used to come on, I think, MSNBC, if I'm not mistaken. But there's an individual called Michael uh, Feinberg. He's an industrial designer, right? He's the guy that thinks about why bottle caps should twist to you know, the left to uh, open and twist right to tighten and the height of chairs and fan rotation, <clears throat> all kind of stuff. But I sent him an email that night and uh, he said, if you can make it to California, I'll meet with you for an hour. So uh, <laughs> I flew out to California, but I didn't have the money to do it per se, but I did something that most probably wouldn't have. Uh, I turned down 70,000 right out of college and I decided to get a job at Southwest Airlines. And they were paying me $14.75 an hour. So 70K versus $14.75 wasn't an, a, a significant amount of money, but I knew that I only needed a job as a vehicle for higher ground. I, I didn't necessarily need to turn it into a career, but I needed a job that provided benefits that I can use. And one of those benefits was being able to fly around the country for free. So when Michael Feinberg asked if I can make it to California, I flew right out <laughs> and I met with him for an hour and he gave me the, the most valuable advice. He said, um, said, hey kid, uh, anybody can build lockers, but not everybody can build great technology. And he said, if I was you guys, I would focus more on the technology than the lockers. And this was around like, I would say 2016. This is before Amazon lockers became really big, Apex, uh, Luxor. This is pre all of that. And uh, he also told us, he said, you got the right ingredients, but the wrong formula. And I left there, got on the plane, cried on the way home, just being truthful. I cried because here I am three years into this journey. And I'm like, man, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, I turned down all of this money, almost $200,000 at this point. And uh, I need to find out how to build this thing. So the next day, uh, my seed investor, Jay, calls a meeting, as most investors do. 
and he's like, hey, um, we got to figure out what we're going to do so we can start, you know, getting some traction. And he tells me uh, the story of him going to pick up food earlier that day. He says, you know, Dom, I went to this great restaurant. They had a cool app. It was easy to order online. And then when I got to the restaurant, I had to stand in line and wait till I was first just to let them know I'm Jay and I'm here to pick up my order. And I was like, Jay, you figured it out. That was literally the aha moment. Like, you figured it out. We can pivot with this locker concept towards the restaurant space. And we spent pretty much all of 2018 building the technology. Uh, I've been very fortunate on meeting the right people at the right time because uh, I don't know, I'm not a, a technical founder. I've just, I've always tried to put myself in a position where talent and creative people are easy to find. And I often have done that through accelerators or co-working spaces, uh, including Station Houston, which is now the ION. And I found my programmer, Yasha, there. And we just started, yeah, we hit the ground running. We started building, started spending, you know, every day that we could, four or five in the morning, developing our initial concepts. But that, I said all that to say, like, that's how we got started. We didn't know what we were doing initially. Uh, and we ultimately got to this point of reimagining takeout with lockers for restaurants. But ultimately, it wasn't about that. It was about getting people what they want, when they want, as fast as they could possibly get it. And so what's the entry point into the door <clears throat> at the restaurant? Do you just walk in? Do you DM the owners? How do you kind of think about business development? Uh, business development for me, I try to keep it as simple as possible. Uh, I think of our company as the rapper Drake in 2008. He's going to every nightclub that he possibly can uh, in the city of Houston and Toronto. That's the same way we build our business. We're, we're, uh, Social media is great, uh, and I, I think it's a great tool that we use, but more so than anything, nothing replaces a face-to-face -face conversation. So what we try to do as often as possible is go to a local restaurant. I'm a native Houstonian. I go in, I introduce myself. I let them know that I'm here to help, especially, you know, at these times, uh, a lot of people, especially restaurant owners, are reluctant to set up a partnership at this time. Some of them are closing. Some of them don't have the same level of sales, but letting them know that we're here and we're offering something uh, called the Yummy Box to streamline the takeout process for their customers and their employees for 45 days at no cost. That usually gets the, the conversation started. Uh, outside of like COVID-19 or prior to COVID-19, it was pretty much just leaning on a lot of the relationships that I've built over time and asking them to extend their bridges of trust with me to the people that they know. And uh, I think more so than anything, we've been very consistent in terms of our reputation and. Uh, a lot of times startups have fallen off and we just try to avoid uh, the, those mishaps for, you know, whether it be getting too much capital, spending it too entirely too fast and not really knowing what you're building. I haven't raised a lot of capital at all. I actually have invested 31, 32,000 of my own and uh, raised about the same, but it was all intentional because Money's not, and for what we need, money's not going to make or break us. More so than anything, uh, what's going to make or break us is the relationships needed to get the doors open. So we've we've been, you know, very consistent with raising micro investments, but more so than anything, uh, it's about just leveraging the relationships. That's how we're getting our initial traction. Um, we started off at a place called Southern Q. Well, I take that back. Actually, Hamilton, we started off at a place called Tandoori Night. And uh, it was a small restaurant ran by a lady named Ms. Yogi. They have two locations, one at the University of Houston 
And uh, if you're familiar with Houston, they have another one at uh, on 1960, just this long, endless street. But uh, I met her through a friend and she was like, hey, I really want to try you guys. She said, the biggest thing is I partnered with Uber Eats, DoorDash, uh, Grubhub, Postmates. And she has literally all of these tablets on her uh, her, her counter next to her cash, uh, cash register. And she was like, I like it, but I don't. And I was like, so what is the downside to it? She was like, I find myself spending a lot of money for these partnerships per order. And she was like, I would love it if I can excite customers to come into my restaurant to enjoy like a modern day convenience and pick up their food through the locker. And she was like, it'd also be cool if I don't have to have somebody, you know, manning a to-go station, I can have that person entertaining a guest that's dining in or taking an order, not sorting through orders, trying to find, you know, Hamilton in this example, find your order, you can easily go and grab it from a box. So we started there. I did 92 days of hands-on, like I, I literally worked there. I was, <laughs> I was busting tables. I was taking food to tables. I was interacting with every person that picked up from the Yummy Box, every Uber Eats, DoorDash, Grubhub driver, just trying to make sure what we're building actually creates value and make some early tweaks before we start trying to uh, build our team. And then from there, uh, I got introduced to Mr. Steve and Ms. Sharice at Southern Q, their restaurant that's been featured on Good Morning America. Uh, the Travel Channel, husband and wife, they have two locations, and they were, they, they were very open to new technology. So I started with them. I did about 60 days with them hands-on, and it was a, a huge level, uh, change in level from Tandoori Night to Southern Q. It was a different ball game. And then after everything worked there, uh, we let 60 days go by without us having to be there and seeing our technology basically be in the world without us having to be involved, right? It's probably the best feeling in the world. And then from there, we ended up at um, Gatlin's Barbecue. So that's our latest partner. We started with them on March the 30th. So we've only been with them for about 30 days. Uh, they're killing it, that, as people would say. Uh, COVID-19 is, is very disruptive in many ways in a lot of different industries. But for the restaurant industry, a lot of things were already going through a massive transition. And this, in many ways, it kind of expedited this uh, transformation in the industry. So for them, they were already in the process of adapting to more uh, of a pickup model. And the Yummy Box just happened, to, the timing of it just couldn't have been any more perfect. Right place, right time. Yeah. <laughs> so is is the... Is a yummy box available to like I'm in Virginia and you know there's local restaurants here. Is it something you ship to Virginia or is it or is that an option? Uh not at the moment. Not at the moment. So our goal right now is to basically become um you're familiar with Favor, the food delivery service? It, no, I'm not actually. All right. So they're 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 similar but extremely different from like Uber Eats, DoorDash, but uh, I think if I if I remember correctly, they started off in Austin, uh, but they're currently owned by HEB. And one of the things that I learned from reading about the CEO, I can't remember his name at the moment, but their focus was, no, they're out of California, as a matter of fact. And it was all about growth, growth, growth. How fast can we move? How fast can we go? How can we conquer the world, right? And that's a pretty much uh, standard kind of mindset in California, which isn't th any, nothing wrong with it. It's just how can you apply it in a reasonable way to ensure that you're sustainable over time? And I learned from him that sometimes it's, it's, it's best to stay small and 
and, and work your way up to being really, really big. So instead of trying to, although we want to be as, as many places as we can, we want to pretty much, you know, stay in Houston and then from there mature to Austin, then Dallas, and then go from there. And, I respect that. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. Well, this is great. I think you've got, you know, the operational uh, expertise to do this and, you know, you've got the plan and you've got the, the, the hustle. I really like that move to email the, the guy in California to, uh, yeah. you know, kind of get that going. I like that. And, uh, you know, much, much power to you. Where can listeners kind of follow you, connect with you if they're in Houston, um, Texas, you know, we'll just plug your, plug, plug your stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I want to also add this really quickly. So the, the real novel thing also what we're doing about um, like reimagining order pickup, the solutions that we have, which the yummy box is for restaurants, but we also have the happy box, which is for package pickup at co-working spaces. So by taking these normal lockers and retrofitting them with technology uh, to streamline order pickup, we can go in a wide variety of different uh, markets right? Using pretty much the same concept. So when it comes down to the yummy box, the biggest differentiator in that is we insulate the boxes. So think of it as a, a pizza box, right? Like, or a pizza bag made by a lady in Chicago, which is in extremely incredible. But uh, our goal now is to be found as much as possible on LinkedIn. So you can find us there, clev.tech. Also, you can find us on Instagram, clev.tech. And we are very, very connected with uh, the ION, which is formerly known as Station Houston. As soon as the we get the all clear, I plan to be back in that building. Uh, they actually became our first customer, believe it or not. And they didn't ha- they didn't get a yummy box. They got a happy box. And that was one of the things I learned too, as a as an entrepreneur, as a founder. Sometimes you have to um, um, make a slight pivot that allows you to generate income, but more importantly, get the word out about what you're doing, especially if it doesn't uh, prevent you from moving forward. Like it wasn't a massive change for us to say, oh, they're not using this for food. They're using it for packages. What are some of the things that we can tweak in our technology? So we were able to do that in like a week's time. I knew if it was something massive that would take us off course, I was you know, going to say no to it. But luckily they became our first customer and they're using the happy box for package pickup. So we spent a lot of time there uh, brainstorming, meeting other entrepreneurs. But yeah, that's where you can find us. I also have my personal Instagram account, uh, dnelson365. And the biggest thing there is to do exactly what you're doing, Hamilton, share my story and hopefully inspire somebody else. Uh, I think it's amazing to build a company, but what's even more amazing is to inspire other people to build companies. 100%. I appreciate you for doing this. Absolutely. I appreciate your time. Thank you.